0: Armstrong and Getty. Why are you here? Today? We choose truth over facts.
1: Uh, I don't understand what you're saying. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. All right, go, go.
0: Spare us the theatrics. Behave yourselves.
2: You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. This will definitely become more dirty, more dangerous. Yes, kill me,
0: motherfucker. Rather than confront the drug use like a normal city, San Francisco enables drug use by distributing roughly 400,000 free syringes every month. City leaders say that giving out syringes reduces the risk of
1: disease. Of course, no one wants to have somebody get HIV or Hep C, but the unintended consequences is insanity. And he-
2: So that's from last night's Tucker Carlson on Fox, a national show, a national story on the, what, second most watched cable news show in America, focusing on San Francisco, I think partially because Tucker Carlson used to live there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another reason would be that it's just so extraordinary.
0: Well, yeah, I mean it's absolutely a canary in the coal mine of a certain set of policies. Right. What you can look forward to. That's what I wanted
2: to, to mention because um we're we're very familiar with San Francisco and its decline in so many cities on the West Coast. But so I was in Wichita for uh Christmas, cousin Christmas there, and they are starting to have a homeless problem. In Where we Wichita, had our Kansas. first
0: job together
2: years ago. And I don't remember seeing homeless people. When I lived there years ago, but anyway, I guess it's a thing downtown, like the libraries. The downtown libraries got almost people, and you can't go there. And like is happening in a lot of
0: places, and uh, I uh, mean, and again, I prefer the term bums and junkies. Well, right,
2: I made some harsh comment. At the uh, the family get together about them being a bunch of drug get those dang I used a bad language but drug addicts out of there. Uh-huh. Well, they're they've had some troubles, you know, and we need to be more compassionate. Somebody said, yeah. and I thought, you, you know, th- this is the road you go down. You think that, and that makes you a nice person, right? That makes you a nice person. That it's new to you. That homeless have showed up in your town, and you think, well, they're down and out, or they got screwed by life, or whatever. Right? They're just one medical bill away from homelessness. Yeah, you got drug addicts who've decided they like the drug addict lifestyle ruining your town.
0: That's mm-hmm. what you have. Right. Or they can't get themselves clean. And I have a great deal of sympathy for that. But that doesn't mean they get to ruin the town. It doesn't mean they get the park and the right. library and the bike paths and, and the sidewalks and the rest of it. And
2: the doorway to that store you want to go into.
0: Yeah, we're going to compassion them out of being drunk, junky losers by furnishing them drugs and letting them camp in the park And that's the way we're going to get them clean that uh, according to the dreamers who run so much of the world. Oh, right. look, we need dreamers. We need compassion. We need kindness. Of course we do. But compassion without order is chaos. All right. Now, back to my ER story, which fits into with this. So
2: Tucker Carlson's doing that every night this week. I think it's a five part series, San Francisco and the homeless situation. So if you're into that story, uh, watch it there. But so I'm at a downtown ER on the West Coast with my wife on a Friday night, and learned the lesson. If you weren't listening earlier, that if you're in downtown on a city, especially on a weekend, and something happens, unless it's chest pain or you can't, you know, you're choking, something where you're gonna, you might die immediately. Mm -hmm. You're better off Ubering or driving to a suburb or a smaller town. Yep. One, you'll get in faster. Two, it's safer. It's just safer. It wasn't safe to be in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Certainly for my kids, I couldn't. I couldn't let my Kids like sit down while I'm helping check mom
0: in, right? Because are
2: drunk homeless people everywhere wandering around trying to talk to
0: them. And if you're just tuning in, you know the lovely Mrs. Armstrong, bleeding in terrible pain, can't fill out the paperwork. So Jack's doing that. Meanwhile, the junkies are approaching his kids. And the um
2: the people that work there clearly know some of them by name, right? And so and they all know the drill. It's a it's a dance, right? They they come they come stumbling. I need a bed. All right, what's wrong, Jim? I don't. I don't feel good. I feel like I'm gonna fall down. Okay, and so they go through the full filling out the paperwork, fifteen minute, whatever it takes, routine. While you got other people hanging around, I'm sure that's the law. Um, right. And uh, and uh, two two things they want. They want a they want a warm bed inside, and this is a way to get it. And there's apparently you can't say no. And two, if you if you claim certain symptoms, according to one of the nurses who told my wife. They'll uh, they'll IV up. So I don't know. I've known people who did this. I was never committed enough to recovering from a hangover to do this. But apparently, if you're willing to take um, uh, an IV, you can get over a hangover like that. Yes, I've Um, done it. You have done it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not that committed. I had some friends uh, who were uh, military doctors and they they
0: would do that to themselves. And one day I was out with them and was (laughs) with them the next morning as well. And they said, come on, we know what to do. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I know I, I, I know understand. guys who could write PhDs on being hungover, and they say yeah, it's a miracle. Oh,
2: yeah. I'm sure it is. The, 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 you know, most of your hangover is your dehydration, so they pump you full of liquid, and you're over it. God, I don't know if I needed a way to, like, you know, hey, I'm feeling <laughs> good already. Well, let's, let's do that again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I need the pain of the hangover to adjust your lifestyle. But anyway, so the, the the homeless, the street addicts have figured that out. So they'll go into the hospital. And I'm happy to pay for that, of course, as a taxpayer. Well, I love the idea of paying for you to get uh, your IV, to get back on your feet so you can go out and beg for more money to get drunk
0: again. Well, and please, how about I'm in pain. I'm in lots and lots and lots of pain. I need some opioids. they got to give them to them. Yeah, I don't know how that works. Well, listen, what makes it even worse in Cal Unicornia, where realism has gone to die, is that there is a, a law that was just passed, I think it was uh, beginning of last year, which reminds me, we have to get to some of the absurd new laws that have been passed by America's legislatures um, at some point for for 2020. But uh, the new law in Cal Unicornia requires hospitals to offer homeless patients a meal Clothing and other services before sending them to somewhere that has agreed to take them. You have to prove you have a bed for them before you kick them out, which is just insane. I don't I don't know. I, I, I the the problem with the drive by voter. And part of the problem is government has become so vast and is involved in so many aspects of, of, of virtually everything. It's impossible for the average voter to understand what government does and have a solid view of what the policies ought to be. It's just asking too much of people. God dang it. Which is one so- of the reasons I'm a small government advocate. But the drive by voter here's the emotional description of an issue like this, and it's so easy to persuade them to do the progressive thing because it sounds good, which is why the Democrats want to register children as voters now because you can sway children with emotional arguments really easily. Save the unicorns, kids. I want to
2: make it clear again. I, I understand that the people at the hospital are just doing what they're, they're told they have to do. And you, oh, you're heroes. And you probably hate it more than I do. Oh, I'm you. You'd you probably yeah. like to rant and rave about it for hours on how you have to th- Fill out the paperwork for this drunk guy that you see every two days while that woman back there, that young mom, is holding her sick baby waiting in line. Right. And There's probably would... some
0: activist lawyer lurking around to make sure you don't see the baby first. But we got this text. I broke my
2: back and had to wait three hours in an ER hallway by an obviously high ranting degenerate. It was awful. Geez. so if I bring my kid into the ER at night, we're sick. We might be in the ER in the hallway next to the gurney like my wife was, of some guy who's just obviously a drunk homeless person. Yeah. Blah, 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 trying to talk yeah. to her and stuff like that yeah. with your kid. That's just, who would allow their society to get that way? As, yeah. ex- as expensive as healthcare is, you got to put up with that when you need to take your kid to the ER? Holy crap.
0: Note here from Craig, my, wealth, my wife th- fell through an open hatch on a boat Reminds me of my unfortunate and unavoidable boating accident a number of years ago. I, was, I remember that, yes. I tumbled down the stairs of a sailboat while the steps were wet. I believe there was drinking involved, was there not? I don't recall, specifically. <laughs> it was a good thing there was, man. That was some serious pain. Anyway, but she had to wait uh, two and a half, three hours to be seen with seven broken ribs oh. in line Uh, Behind a bunch, a room full of obviously drunk and high,
2: you know, bums. Yeah, I'm not kidding. If I broke my ankle and was in horrific pain, I would still, and I'm downtown somewhere, I would still say, get me to, you know, nice suburb. Right. Because you might as well. You're going to be in the same amount of pain. Yeah. Except you're going to be sitting next
0: to scary people. Yeah. You're going to wait just as long. Yeah. Yeah. I uh I had to take a longish ride to an emergency room once in terrible pain and you kind of settle into it doesn't get worse <laughs> you just got uh, and before you know it you're there so that's some solid advice I, I just, especially if you are in the more progressive corners of America where order has break, broken down Oh yeah to wrap this up
2: how does this story end I mean cuz surely society won't continue to put up with this will it I mean, I realize democracies move really slow, but surely society won't put up with that when enough people have had that ER experience.
0: Well, those of you who do not live in admittedly wonderful or at least formerly wonderful places... Like Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, Sacramento, San Diego, uh, oh, Santa Rosa, California is dealing with a huge crisis of bums and junkies. If if you don't live in those places, just just be warned. If you let these unicornian policies in, we need to let people camp in the park because they're unfortunate. You let that camel's nose under the tent, you gonna have a park full of camels. These we're, were bums and junkies. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: Armstrong and Getty.
0: Armstrong and Getty. This is best of Armstrong and Getty.
2: 400 hiring managers, managers reveal when it's okay to lie on your resume. I'll just read this as it's written. You've probably lied on your resume, and your hire knew it. I have not lied on my resume. This is the finding of a study of 800 job applicants and hiring managers, 400 to each side. By a company that vets job applicants, of the whopping seventy-eight percent of applicants who misrepresent themselves on resumes, this is how they do it. Seventy-eight percent misrepresent themselves. Well, as we as we said, you might you might uh, exaggerate a little your duties at a job or whatever. Yeah, I don't know if that's lying. Anyway, I managed
0: this as opposed to I was managed. You know. That's a stretch.
2: Thirty-nine percent claim a degree from a more prestigious university. Nobody's ever really? checked that. Really, forty percent of people
0: say they went to. Well, back to the elite university thing. Well, I think the key I is. I hate you.
2: I think the key would be to not go with Harvard, Yale, or Stanford. You just go from. A community college thing to some state school yeah, somewhere, and yeah. nobody's ever going to check that. So just, just move up one class. By the way, you're lying about something that doesn't matter, right? So that's that's one of the reasons they ignore that lie, because who freaking cares?
0: You may well have gotten a much better education
2: at your lesser school. Uh, that can't be possibly true. Well, it's... that is impossible.
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the
2: more you spend, and the bigger the buildings, the better the education. We all know that.
0: Everybody knows that. Is so. Lori Laughlin's child there or not? <laughs>
2: 41% alter titles such as manager to director. You change manager to director. Mm. Okay. I was the director of cleaning the bathrooms at the first radio job I had. Oh, those don't sales, remind those me. Those salespeople were disgusting, too. Oof. End of a long it's day. A sick enough. 42% make up relevant experiences. Okay. 45% falsify reasons for leaving a prior job. Uh You're not going to say the boss was a uh,
0: an idiot? <laughs> I got caught stealing the coffee. <laughs> I, I think shading reasons you left your previous job, that one is very, very common. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, especially because haven't we all heard the wisdom? Don't be negative about your last job. It shows that you're a negative person and blah, blah, blah. So we all try to go with, I uh, felt like I would have better opportunities somewhere else where they didn't hit me all the time. <laughs> Where the work wasn't mind numbing and insulting to my very dignity as a human. Do you
2: think that holds up the idea of don't ever say negative anything negative about your previous employers? I don't know
0: if that makes sense in the real world. You got to be careful. I think if you're reasonably effective at speaking, you can twist it and twist it. Uh, You can you can make it into something that sounds positive. I felt like the, the team environment there was not productive. There was a lot of backbiting and hostility. And I'm really looking for a place where people can join together and do great work. That's negative, but it's positive as opposed to they're a holes. They didn't like me because I'm not from there. Yeah. It's all
2: about who you know.
0: Right. (laughs) It's not even who you know. It's who you bleep. You know, it's just, if you come off like that, it's not good.
2: Uh, Hilarious. Uh, Half of people claim longer tenures at jobs to omit an employer. I think I may have done that one. Oh, look out. I think I may have done that one. There was a period of time when I was living in Kansas City where I had a lot of jobs. And there was one job I did. uh, I'm not sure that guy would have said nice things about me. Mm. So I kind of made this one a little longer at the beginning, Again, that one the longer at the end. And they touched. You know what I mean? So there's not a gap. Yeah to try to put in that other job.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: They may have done that. So that half of people do that. And 60% claim mastery and skills in which they are not masters. I'm an excellent flute player. Uh, (laughs)
0: I'm a black belt in Krav Maga. I think it's probably more (laughs) like, uh, you know, in uh, Excel or, you know, one of your computer programs or something. I've always wanted to buy a uh, royal title, be an archduke or something like that. Uh, I wonder, do people ever say that? I'm actually uh, an Archduke.
2: Do you remember, uh, (laughs) our old producer Dominic, uh, God rest his soul? Yes. Um, he said in Hollywood, you always say yes. He said to whatever, they they say, can you ride a horse? He said, absolutely. Yeah. You just, you know, you you just get the job and then you figure it out later. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, can you do martial arts? This is a movie. Oh, of course. Martial
0: arts! (laughs) I teach.
2: <laughs> yeah. He just always say yes. Of course yeah. he was he was the sort of person that would do that whether he was in Hollywood or not. It was <laughs> just kind of his thing. But I
0: hate to speak ill of the dead, but I don't. he was a congenital liar. <laughs> Allegedly.
2: Oh, boy. Uh, hiring managers, it turns out, are completely aware of this. Two-thirds say they hire liars anyway when other good candidates are not available. What hires won't tolerate is faked references which they say is the worst thing an applicant could submit.
0: Interesting. Mm-hmm. So having your buddy be the uh, former VP of accounting there. At, uh, Dude, Norwell I need you
2: for the, for the next 3 days. Every time you answer the phone, I need you to say Cornwall Industries. Yeah. Could you do that for me? <laughs> Just don't ask questions. No problem. Yeah. Is what I would say
0: because I'm a good friend. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Cornwall Industries. Oh, Jack was a fine employee. Oh. We, we hated to see him go. We we know he we knew he was too good for us though. We knew he was bound for great things. All the women wanted to have his baby. All the men <laughs> wanted to be him. Oh, yeah. People are always saying that in reference.
2: <laughs> hiring managers are most understanding about inflated GPAs. Nearly, nearly 92% said that they would still consider hiring somebody who would increase their GPA. From one point okay. eight to three point eight you know i've yeah, I've never had a job where having a higher g p a would have made any difference, but no. so I don't know i no. don't know i'm not you know I don't know what the yeah, rest of the I world's mean, th- like th- th-
0: this varies so much from field to field, sure, especially these days you're some uh kick ass coder, nobody cares what you got in English one o one right. That sort of thing. Plus, haven't study after studies showed that B students end up being more successful yeah. than A students yeah. because they figure out what they're interested in, and they get after it hard as opposed to just kind of running themselves ragged.
2: Plus, in college, it's all everything. about who you know. You got to kiss ass to good grades.
0: Not? That's what I found out. No. That's what I put on my resume. just bad at it. Old, old boss had it out for me. <laughs> exactly. We're <laughs> in. He or was a jerk. Way. Oh boy. All right. So they were all
2: jealous ge- of me. That's why they didn't like me. That old job. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> jealous of me.
0: That that plays well, yes. Say that. Definitely. <laughs> Put that in your cover letter.
2: Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show.
0: Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. Eurasia Group is out with their top risks of 2020 and Ian Bremmer is the president and founder of said organization. Mr. Bremmer is not here to elect anyone to promote or uh, denigrate any political party. He gets up in the morning. His goal is to be right about stuff for his clients. Uh, And that was the short version of the Ian Bremmer disclaimer. Ian, how are you, sir?
1: That was beautifully
0: done. These are highly partisan times. Had you noticed? Yeah, I don't know if you've uh, noticed that.
1: <laughs> I know, I know. It's really rough to like say, you know, God forbid. For example, you say something that Trump did right.
2: I you saw can go that out of trouble. I saw you, know? you defending yourself on Twitter for having said this looks like a win for Trump, and then in comes a, oh, so you want Trump to get reelected? Do you? <laughs>
1: And they're like, "How can you say that? It's so early, you know." And I'm like, "Well, yeah. I mean, you know, it's a long season, but you can win a game, right?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I know. everybody's I mean, lost. Even their the mind. Cleveland Browns occasionally pick one up, right? Eh, it's but a rarity.
2: Just since we were on that, you feel like thus far it's been a win for Trump uh, against Iran.
1: Well, the last week has clearly been a win for Trump. Right. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, in a couple of ways. Uh, first, the United States killed Qasem Soleimani, who's by far the most important military antagonist uh, to the United States in the region, um, and that's a that's a big deal. It really does limit Iran's capacity to respond and retaliate against American against American allies and and then uh... number two uh... the iranians now have knocked down this plane it seems pretty clear from intelligence uh... from many countries not just the united states they're denying it but that means that the Canadians, the europeans are really angry at iran so i mean the countries that had been angry at the united states because the u.s. pulled out of the nuclear deal and had been more sympathetic to the iranians now the iranians are saying that they're moving out of the nuclear deal and they've got the blood of all these civilians on their hands I mean, this is a horrible week for Iran, right? And on balance, a horrible week for Iran is probably a pretty good week for the United States. Yeah, and whoever the president happens to be. Turns out that president's Trump right now. But I mean, if Obama was doing the same stuff, I would have said, you know, this looks like a win for Obama. Like, you were capable of saying that. I mean, I guess we're not anymore, but oh my we could gosh. be. We
0: could be, right? I can hardly even comprehend such analysis. All right, so, Ian, uh, you know, to get back to the disclaimer and the uh, divided times we live in, I noticed that uh, risk number one in the top risks of 2020 is the fractured state of American domestic politics. That's a global risk.
1: Yeah, it is. Well, it's it's a global risk and it's a high one because uh, you know, anything that happens in the U.S. is is so massive globally, with the world's largest economy, right? So the ripple effects make sense. Um, the issue is not is it Trump or is it the Democrat that wins here, in the way we look at it, the issue is if it's a close election, it's going to feel like the election. Has failed. It's going to feel um, illegitimate. And, and the, the losing side will make those arguments and, and will make them in a way that is hard to resolve and that kind of drives mm. the country crazy and makes governance really challenging for a period of time. Kind of, kind of like what happened in the UK after Brexit, where, I mean, it wasn't just that they couldn't get Brexit done, it was also that, every, that all the, 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 the side that quote unquote lost said this is illegitimate, we need another vote, we refuse to work on this, this isn't the way it works. Well, you can imagine, you've got an impeached president who's going to be acquitted uh, by the Republicans, and then he's going to continue to use the powers of the presidency to ensure that he can win, and that will include not defending the elections uh, in in terms of uh, security from external interference. It includes uh, you know, pursuing investigations against Democrats, which we'll certainly see from the Attorney General and others, denigrating intelligence, um, and uh, and taking people off the rolls in different states. Uh, and the Democrats, I think, if they lose, will respond with, this is illegitimate. I think if Trump loses, he'll say um, that uh, this, there was interference. He's already said that in terms of the Ukrainians, for example. Um, and uh, I, don't, I don't think in a close election that Trump and supporters would be prepared to simply accept the outcome so i i do think we're heading for kind of unprecedented territory in the u.s even though i don't think our democracy is at threat i do think our ability to govern for a period of time will be
0: boy i I hope you're wrong but uh, you probably aren't Uh, i know china gets a lot of attention in the risks report what's the story there
1: uh, story is that uh, we are going to get a deal done signed uh, on the fifteenth of January this phase one trade deal, and but tariffs are going to stay fairly high. Um, But on every other issue between the U.S. and China, things are heading in a more negative direction. Hong Kong, uh, farther from a resolution, not closer. Taiwan, Nationalist President likely to get reelected this weekend. The Uyghurs, intellectual property, and particularly technology. Uh, The most important thing that's going to happen between the U.S. and China this month is not uh, the signature of this phase one deal, but actually the following week um, when the daughter of the head of Huawei has her extradition hearings in Canada. Uh, Canadians just getting caught in all sorts of crossfire right now, um, and uh, and the Chinese consider that to be vastly more important if she's extradited to the U.S. and I expect she probably will be. Uh, the, we see the Chinese uh, decoupling themselves technologically from the U.S., and that's the single biggest move in terms of away from globalization that we've seen taken by any single country in generations. Uh, I mean, you know, all the good things that people like Bill Gates and Steve Pinker talk about, you know, whether it's taking people out of poverty or increased life expectancy, all the rest, comes from the fact that borders have become more open and more porous over the past decades. And so ideas and goods and services, people move faster and faster around the world. Markets are more efficient. We now see the world's two largest economies literally decoupling in the most important part of a 21st century economy, data and AI and the cloud, and that, that's a really big change and should make us feel more concerned about the future of the global economy.
2: Yeah, do you think we're going to have a world that's just completely bipolar, like they have their own tech system that we can't even, like, you know, our phones and computers and stuff wouldn't even work with and vice versa?
1: So, yes and no, uh, in the sense that, you know, the world, America's the largest food producer. We're the largest energy producer, and the markets for stuff we take out of the ground is is only becoming more global. And and so, I mean, I don't think the Chinese are going to stop buying American soybeans for a long period of time. I think that those markets will be more efficient. You know, when we hit the Iranians, oil prices and the, the price paid at the pump by the average American didn't really move very much. That's because we, we're an exporter of oil today. We're not an importer anymore. 13 million barrels a day, we, we now produce It's double what it was like 10 years ago. Um, but when you talk about data and when you talk about the information that human beings on the planet consume – We're actually talking about a world where, in short order, you're going to have two different types of people, one group that consume um, data and information that has been curated by the Chinese, and one, the Chinese government and companies that follow the Chinese government, and a second that will have been curated by largely American companies. And that's going to make us as a planet much more tribal. That can't be a good
0: thing. Ian Bremer, president, founder of Eurasia Group, is on the line. The top risks of 2020 is out from uh, Eurasia Group. You know, I'm, I'm looking at all the risks, and I love this report every every year when it comes out, but I'm not seeing Vlad Putin in it, really. Where is, uh, where is Russia in terms of the movers and shakers of the world these days?
1: He's... <laughs> of the top risk in the sense that Russian external intervention in the US election will be highly politicized Mm. uh, and will be part of what drives Americans nuts uh, between those that support Trump and those that can't stand him Um, but if you leave that aside uh, you know Russia's in stronger position on the ground in Syria okay and that's horrible if you're a Syrian citizen or used to be and forced out Um, but it doesn't matter all that much for the rest of the world Um, you know Russia Uh, is a strong partner of the Iranians, but it didn't stop the Americans from killing Qasem Soleimani. And the Russians' response was, we're concerned. But they didn't do a damn thing. Um, In Ukraine, we're actually moving closer to a negotiated settlement It's right now a frozen conflict, in part because the Ukrainians have virtually no real friends. They're kind of stuck, and they got even more stuck because of the impeachment hearings. And so now you have direct negotiations between the Ukrainian president and the Russian president, facilitated by the Europeans, that are are moving towards progress. So, I mean, actually, in terms of a risk from Russia in 2020, leaving aside... Uh, what happens next, this, this coming November in the United States, there's not all that much to talk about.
2: You brought up a whole bunch of different things, and it reminded me of how uh, the way our media works currently, uh, cable news channels especially, they, they they only cover one story at a time. So it's all impeachment, and then all of a sudden Iran happens, and it's all Iran, and then for a while it was all China, and all these things are going on. When you mm-hmm. when you focus on the one story, the other ones are still happening. Exactly, <laughs> and and you exactly. keep up on them. And uh, is there is there one particular story that it really bothers you that it doesn't get as much attention? Is it the China um, thing, or?
1: I mean, I, I think the biggest thing that bothers me that doesn't get attention is that there are the ch- democracies today have two problems at the same time. One is that inside our countries, large percentages of people believe that the system is rigged by the establishment by the CEOs, by the political leaders, by the mainstream media. At the same time, outside our democracies, the Chinese are building an alternative structure, not just in terms of technology, but architecture, institutions, standards, you name it. And the problem is that if those two things represent different circles of the Venn diagram, they don't overlap anywhere. So not only can we only handle one story at the same time, but the people that are actually focused on those two issues are completely different people. Elizabeth Warren is completely focused on the former, right? And you know you've got um, others in the national security complex and the entire foreign policy establishment is only focused on the latter. Well, there's no way we can fix this if we don't actually look at the trade-offs between the two. Uh, it's unfortunate that I mean you know the world doesn't always just throw one problem at you at the same time. Right. Sometimes you actually have to walk and chew gum simultaneously, and we're not showing much capacity to do that. Yeah,
2: it's funny. I mean, because in our real lives, you got problems with your kids and school, and your in your wife, and your finances, and your job, and you you don't you don't ignore all the other ones when. Right, right. So the, way the no, media we doesn't
1: really ignore all of them simultaneously. <laughs> I think that's, that's the way that's I do the it. Right approach, especially, I mean, especially a on man, a Friday. Right? Thank you, as alcohol. A man on a Friday. That's what we should do. <laughs> I think that's right.
0: Who do you like in the Super Bowl again?
1: Uh, well, you know, I have to say, I'm from Boston, and this is the first time in my life that I've ever actively rooted against my home team um, for anything. Mm. I really didn't want to see uh, the Patriots win um, oh. Oh. because I felt like a lot of arrogance and Brady's just increasingly sucked over the last half of the season and I don't I don't feel like we should reward that.
2: No, that's some analysis. <laughs> don't reward suckiness. I got one personal question to ask you. I find myself regularly in weeks like this Really missing the Charlie Rose show, which you used to be on a lot. I think that's the first time I ever saw you. And I just, you know, it. I, I think it's bad for information that that show no longer exists. But that aside, is there a show like that that you go to or watch or, or take in? Or is this that, one, you fool. Is that sort of thing just not exist anymore? Because yeah, I'm just picturing the people he would have had on during this whole Iran thing, for instance.
1: Exactly. Well, you know, it's funny, I mean, I still see Charlie because he's a friend, um, and he's done a lot for me, and he may have deserved to lose the show, but in my view, he didn't deserve to lose his friends, um, and that's important. Um, and I'm not way. sure
2: it makes America better to not have, you know, long-form discussions on both sides of issues with generals and people like you and whatever, but anyway. Look,
1: people come up to me on the street. Uh, and And they say, "I, I miss you on Charlie uh, now they're usually over seventy years old, so I mean you know, but still you know it's kind of it happens a lot um I'll tell you i I probably did his show over a hundred times, and uh, I had hosted it a few times and and the, the literally i was the last I was the last guest on his show. I was on on the Friday and then he was gone on Monday, and I realized that there was no other place for me to go." to do a long-form conversation that really mattered on the world. And, and it was the reason I decided to start a show, um, G-Zero World, uh, which is on public television now nationally. I had no intention of doing something like that, and I can't do it every day. I don't have time, so I just do it once a week. I mean, he was on every day. Um, but it's, it's precisely because I just felt like we need that kind of a conversation. Yeah, sure do, from somewhere. More than I'd do it myself. You that's
0: know, that's Ian, I we do would do it because we have the chops,
1: frankly, but we're homely. So, there's no... I mean, I've never actually, you know, you know I have seen you in person, but right. I mean, I, are you deteriorating? Is that what's happening? Oh, my God.
2: The way we've let ourselves go oh, since it's... we saw you in Cleveland, you wouldn't wow. believe. Well, let's just leave it there, Ian That's Bremmer. The
1: beauty of radio, you know. I mean, you can do this until you're 90, and no one would know you look like Kissinger. It's pretty extraordinary. Thank
0: God. Ian's the president and founder of Eurasia Group. It's always a pleasure and enlightening, Ian. Thanks a million. We'll talk soon. Okay, good guys. See you. Thanks. Yep. The death of
2: long-form conversations about multiple topics is just, oh, well, we'll adjust, I guess.
0: All you had to do was keep your robe closed, Charlie. (laughs) Couldn't do it. Huh? (laughs) Couldn't do it. Not a lot to ask.
2: Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show.
0: Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty.
2: So, hey, here's an interesting thing that happened to me during our two weeks off. We ended up in the ER at about uh, 10 o'clock at night, downtown Big City. Oh. We are going to meet. Um, and um Here's what I learned. Here's the punchline. Here's the, if I ever have to go to an ER, short of chest pain, where it's like, you know, you got to get there right now. I can't breathe. Right. Drive to a suburb or a rural area. It would be faster yes. and much safer. And
0: better. Yes, I've heard that advice more than once. Yeah, it's
2: funny, I had never heard that. If I had heard that, I would have done that. We we happened to be we were visiting uh my wife's cousin was in town and they had rented a house on Airbnb, so we were meeting her blah blah blah. All this stuff. And it was cool. And they had a two year old. My kids liked it and everything. It was really great. Very nice. Uh, and, uh, but we were, we happened to be just blocks from major downtown, like the major downtown ER. And well, I knew which where it was. Sounds great if yeah. you need an ER. Well, it was handy. Yeah. I knew exactly where it was. I didn't have to Google map and panic and figure out where to go. I knew right. exactly where it was from when I used to do cancer treatment. I was right there. So, um, uh, so we're all headed to the park. Uh, kids are going to play a little bit before we order pizza. We actually already ordered pizza. It was going to be a while because it's a holiday and uh, kids could park. And somehow or another, won't blame anybody. Certainly wasn't me. Um, <laughs> oh boy. Laura gets her hand smashed solidly in the car door. <gasps> Thumb just like completely yeah, in there. Mm. She's trying to pull her hand oh. out. Oh, like she can't think okay. straight. All right. All right.
0: All right. All right. All right. Jeez. First with the Mexican cartel thing earlier this morning. Now this. Go on. All right. Go on. I'm sorry to hear that happen. So finally, she's
2: tough to, to hear. Finally, get, get the door open and she's going, Oh my God, oh my She looks at it and then says, Oh my God, I didn't see it, but she says, Oh my God, oh my God. I said, Uh, do we need to go to the ER? She said, Absolutely, we gotta go to the ER immediately. And then the kids, Henry's actually running around the car like it's a Chinese fire driller. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> we gotta police! 9-1-1. Whoop, 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 Which, you know, oh, it's, it wasn't funny at the time, obviously. He's in a panic. His mom's hurt. right. It's kind of funny when I think about it. In now. retrospect, it yes. looks kind of cute. Yeah. Um, just mis- He's got energy, doesn't know how to dispense yeah, it, so yeah, he's just yeah, moving around. I'm trying around. to help. Right. What do I do here? Right. Anyway, so I get the kids in the car, drive like the two blocks to the downtown ER. Um, uh, oh, so you got the whole fam there. What else yeah, are you going to do? Having right. the kids is the worst part of being in the downtown ER at night, on a Friday night, full of drunk, stoned, homeless people. Oh, boy. Full of them, and they're being treated just like they were. Anybody else with health insurance who showed up, who are having their... How many times you end up in the ER in your whole life who are having their three or four times in their
0: lifetime go to the ER? Right. Which is the way it is for most of us. And those are the frequent flyers, uh, emergency room, doctors, nurses, orderlies, please, mailbag at Armstrongandgetty.com if you want to tell us about the frequent flyers.
2: And so, you know, you're, you're showing up to the ER. You got to wait in line behind. I don't feel so good. All right, Jim, what's, what's the problem? I, to uh, I, I the need night. to lay down. Okay. And then they go through the Full filling out the paperwork, checking the vital, everything. What? There, there are people holding babies. Yeah. Looking really panicked. Parents, if you've ever had a sick baby and you don't know what's going on, waiting in line behind homeless effing drunks to get checked in at the ER and going through the full fill out the paperwork, treat it seriously. Just, and they know them by name. They actually called some of them by name. Sure. And they get them a bed, which, you know, that, well, whether or not you should get in bed at law, I don't know. But at least say, Jim, sit over there. You're here every night. I know what your problem is. You're drunk. I'm going to help the woman who's got the smashed thumb and her kids are crying. I'm going to help that lady who's holding an infant. I can't right. tell what's
0: wrong with it. Right. Um, you they can wait. They don't dare do that. How screwed up is the world we're in How? at that point?
2: I, I, I was blown away. Not, not to mention the fact that... That trying to get my wife checked in, she couldn't do paperwork or anything like shit. She's moaning and holding her thumb, and right. there's blood and everything like that. I'm trying to figure out the insurance, stuff like that. I'm scared to death for my kids because you got the aah, aah, stumbling over to my kids and trying to talk to them. Uh, Freaking insane. Oh, my God. It's, it's absolutely, it's, I had trouble wrapping my head around it. Yeah, That is not the way a first world functioning society should work. I pay how many thousands of dollars for health insurance? I show up at the ER and my I'm frightened for my children and my wife's waiting in line behind drunks.
0: Yeah. Yep. Who are
2: there to get a bed? Oh, and I guess their main thing is one of the nurses told my mo- my wife I almost called her my mom.
0: Calling doctor Freud, doctor Freud why in why do the emergency I room. <laughs> I need a team of therapists to, to explain to me why I sometimes I call know, my I wife can, my I mom. I can explain it to you. <laughs> <laughs> I took one psychology class in college. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty.